And Moses, his response in, in chapter 4, verse 1, is, is not really one of excitement, like, I'm going to go out and do this big thing that you called me to do. It's one where he says, but I don't think they're going to listen to me, God. And I don't think they're going to listen to me because they're not going to trust that you were the one that was telling me all this stuff to begin with. Like, how can I convince them that, that you are the one that's actually doing the work? And church, we're going to see that God does answer that question. But as you get down to verse 13, and I paused there, and I heard a couple chuckles, and it's, it's one of my favorite verses to read too, because it really speaks to the heart of where Moses is at this morning. And the main, the main issue for Moses is, is not just one of he's not sure about whether people believe him or he's not sure about whether he can speak well enough. It's that he doesn't want to do this at its core it's a submission issue. And so that's why our, our first main point this morning, God's restoration begins with submitting to God's authority over our lives. With that in mind, if you, if you read what Moses is saying, he, he begins by saying, I don't think they're going to listen to me. And, and church, I, I, I've also thought about this a lot in context of sharing my own faith. Like how many times have I not shared my faith with other people because I'm worried about what they may say to me. And, and maybe it's not so much about what I'm going to say. I, I'm afraid of being rejected, so I just, I just kind of not want to do it. But God does directly answer Moses' question, Lord, what if, what if they don't listen to me? And he gives them three different signs. And now these are, these are not just like, okay, the cloud may form a shape. You know, these are like very distinct, very special, very mind-blowing, miraculous signs that Moses would be able to take his staff and set it on the ground, and it becomes a snake, and then he's able to pick it back up in a staff. That's, that's crazy. And God says, well, even if they don't believe that, put your hand inside your cloak, take it back out, and you will have the skin disease leprosy. And then you can put it back in and pull out, and it be healed again. That Again, it's miraculous in its own way. And then God tells Moses, even if they don't listen to all of this, this is down in verses 8 and 9, even if they don't listen to the first two, I'll let you pour water from the Nile onto the ground and it will turn to dry blood. I mean, this is, the first nine verses is amazing. Like, if God could do all of those things, certainly the people will believe when Moses, when he's, when he's sharing things. And if I'm in Moses' position, I guess I would have expected Okay, if, if God is empowering me to do this, what would be crazy, miraculous stuff, certainly the people would listen to me. But you don't see Moses give that response in verse 10. In fact, it's, all of that is not enough proof for Moses to be faithful to the work that God has set before him. Moses tells God, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since you've spoken to me, uh, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Some people have debated on maybe Moses had like a, a speech impediment or a stutter. Or, uh, I mean, really, he's just not comfortable speaking in front of crowds. Whatever the reason is, Moses now says, even if I could do that stuff, Lord, who's going to listen to my speech? And God answers him in verses 11 and 12. And it's, it's a wonderful answer. God tells Moses, he says, who made the mouth? Who, who gave man the ability to speak? And not just to speak, but to hear, to listen, to understand what is being sp spoken. Who, who gave man the ability to comprehend? Just who gave man all of this? Like, did I not give that to you, Moses? Do you not think that I will be able 
to equip you for the work that I have given you to do. And, and, and God even promises Moses in verse 12, I will be with your mouth. I will teach you exactly what to say. And, and at this point, if I were in Moses' position, I'm running out of excuses. You know, I've, I've, I've brought up all of my physical characteristics that should hinder me from the work. I've brought up all of the cultural characteristics that, yes, these are my people, but I haven't been around them. And the last time I was with them, they saw me kill somebody. Yeah, I, I've brought up every charge that I could against God to say I should be disqualified from doing this work. And at every single point in time, God has said, but here's what I will do. But here's what I will do. Moses, here's, here's what I will do. And so now we come to the heart of the issue in verse 13 when Moses says, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Church, at this point, it, when you get to this verse, you realize Moses hasn't really been innocently asking questions of God. Like, but God, did you consider like what happens if this comes up? You know, you, you get to Moses' heart, and it's, he doesn't want to do it. He, doesn't, he just does not want to be the one to go deliver God's people. And verse 14, then it kind of makes sense why it's at this point you see God's anger is kindled against Moses because the one he is raising up to deliver his people from the bondage of slavery they have to the Egyptians is telling him, I don't want to do that. Essentially, that, that Moses would rather the people stay in their slavery and in their bondage than him have to go be the one to lead. Remember how we said two weeks ago that as we're, we're watching Moses, we're, we're seeing God raise up a deliverer work, so there's a lot of parallels between Moses and Jesus. Thank God there is not a parallel between Moses and Jesus when it comes to Moses' attitude. I mean, can you imagine if Christ had the same attitude towards his father God as Moses has towards God right now. I, I really don't want to do this, God. And, and I mean, I am, I am guilty of telling God all the time, Father, I really, I don't want to do this. And, and I think it reveals, church, one of the, the core issues of our faith. And it's interesting to me when you know, just in conversations I have with other church leaders and with Christians around the world, when you hear talk about different problems churches face, I think a lot of them honestly boil down to a submission issue. That there are just parts of our lives that we really do not want God to have control over. There's things about God that we do like. We, we like salvation, for sure. We, we like healing. We like provision. We like his blessings. We, we like this community, right? That, that there's other people who love God that we can bond and live life with. We, we love those things. But, but simply loving these things that God has given to us does not mean our lives are truly submitted before him. And I think as we're walking through this, this chapter, if we remember, you know, this, this has been a long time coming. We talked about it last week, but this has been a chapter and a half of text, this discussion. As you move through it, you realize that it is easy to tell where our hearts are and are not submitted to God. Like, like we can tell the status of our submission because ultimately when God comes to us, and, and is leading us to take a step of faith, putting us in a position maybe we're not comfortable in, but we could see from his scripture or from, you know, from his word or from prayer that this is where he's leading us. When, when God makes it clear, we say, but I don't really want to. 
I mean, what, what does our, our willingness look like in, in those moments? And, and church, I think it's also important to point out here, God has not been angry with Moses for asking questions. I mean, he has been gracious that at each point in time, he knows where Moses' heart is at the entire time. Okay, he, he knows as he's talking to Moses at the beginning. I mean, God has made Moses. God knows where Moses' heart is at. But God has had this conversation with Moses. He's been drawing him into this relationship. He's, he's not angry with Moses for asking him questions. But when God presses Moses and Moses reveals the true issue of his heart, God, I don't want to do this, that's the moment when God says, okay, <laughs> there's no more playing games here. Now I really have to address this, this heart issue that is taking place. Church, in, in, it, is, it is something that is, is so essential to our faith. It's, it's in our mission statement here, here at the church that we are a community on mission we're committed to disciple-making, but we are submitted to Christ. That, that submission is required for restoration, submission to God's authority over our lives. It's, it's when we submit to him that we are able to go before him and say, God, I understand that you are above me, that you had a design and a purpose for my life, that, that you have created and ordained this entire world that we live in and everyone in it. And God, I have been broken apart from that. Because you are the creator, God. God, I am not the creator. You are above me. You are over me. And I have broken from your design. It requires submission to acknowledge that. It requires submission for us to say, and God, I can't fix that. God, I, I see from your word that, that I am incapable of making myself right with you. God, that what you have done on my behalf is sent your son Jesus Christ to die for me so that, that he may fulfill the penalty that my sin rightfully bears. God, I cannot fulfill that, but you have done this. So God, I want Christ in my place. Church, it, our restoration requires submission. There's, there's really, I, I, can't, I can't put it any other way. And so what this looks like for us as a church is that really whatever we're doing, and, and, and I, I've talked with John a lot about this, that when we come to this in Scripture, I, it, I need to be careful of, of being clear when we're talking about something to do as a church and something to do as individuals, because a lot of times there's applications in both. But church, we as individuals have to first be submitted to God's authority over our lives. If, if we as a church are going to be submitted to God's direction and leadership for the church. So, so what, 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 I, what I see, I mean, as, as being necessary from this passage is, is we as individuals, and, and that's not something that I can necessarily do for you. That's not something we can create a program or a ministry to do. We as individuals have to choose, God, you are over my life. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And it, it is when we come to that place of, of as, a, as a community of people in that position, okay, now, now we're going to get somewhere. Now, now we are going to be in a place where we can hear and we can see God's leading and his direction for where he wants us uh, to go. And, and church, I think it's, it's important because the, the pattern that we have been seeing throughout Exodus chapter 3 and in the first 17 verses here of chapter 4 is that when God reveals who he is and what he's come to do, that, that revelation comes with a calling. That is, God shows us who he is and what he's come to do. That, that bears some, some sort of response on our part. 
For Moses, as God is raising him up to deliver his people, he has a work in mind for Moses to do, that he is purposefully revealing himself to Moses so that Moses will take up this work. And church, we, uh, we may not know the, the individual little details of all the things God would have us do in our daily lives, but as we have studied in the vision process, we know ultimately God's picture for our lives is to bear his image. And specifically, because of what we've seen in Christ, it's bearing his image in disciple-making, in, in imitating him and being his reflection on earth and in teaching other people to do likewise. We, we do know that regardless of where we're at, that is ultimately what we have been called to do. So as we, we see this, this pattern of this calling demanding a response, we, we should also see there's, there's an encouragement to this as well. And it's, it's kind of been hidden throughout the first three chapters, or yeah, the first chapter and a half of this discussion, but it's very clear in verses 14 and 16. Because even as God is angry with Moses... Listen to what God does. Verse 14, he says, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Verse 15, you shall speak to him, and I will be with both of you guys. Verse 16, he shall speak for you to the people. God is, God is gracious, so gracious to Moses, that even in Moses saying, God, I don't want to do this, God goes back to the the first complaint that Moses had right before it, where he said, I'm not a good speaker. And God says, well, I will equip you. And I know that you really feel like that's your biggest weakness, Moses. And, you know, I'm, I'm God, Moses. Maybe I could tell if you have other weaknesses right now, but I'm going to address that for you. I'm going to bring you your own brother to, uh, to strengthen you, to encourage you to do this work alongside you. Church, God does know where we struggle to submit to him. And, and God is not just kind of aloof and demanding that we fix things in order to be right with him. And we, we know from the gospel that, that that's not possible for us. But God is gracious with us where he, he meets us exactly where we're at. And he gives us, he enables us in his grace to be able to bear his image. But then in verse 17, I love that after he he gives Moses this help. God concludes, he says, and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Right, Moses, I'm going to help you, but you still have a very active role to play in all of this. That, that God's grace does not free Moses from the calling, but it enables Moses to live this calling. God's restoration begins with us submitting to his authority over our lives. As we move into verse 18, there's, there's a shift in the narrative from, from the discussion to actually living it out. And so as we get to this living it out piece, we're going to see our, our, last, our last part about God's restoration. This is beginning in verse 18 through the, the end of chapter 4. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let my people go. 
Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and he met him at the mountain of God and, and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did in the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshipped. Church, in, this, in the last part of this chapter, we see that God's restoration begins with us living faithful to his revealed will. That, that we, we may know the end goal. We may know what's going on right in front of us. We don't know all the steps in between, but we know we can be faithful right here, right now. And so we will choose to do that. And trust that God will make the next step known, and then we take that step once, once he reveals it. That's, all of that is packed up in the statement, living faithful to his revealed will. We see this, this pattern actually three different times in these, these last verses. In, in verses 18 through 23, you see Moses returns to Jethro, and he asks permission for him to take the family out of Egypt, which was culturally custom at the time for him to do. And so Jethro blesses Moses, that, that Moses is beginning to be faithful. He's now receiving a blessing from his father-in-law. God himself, in verse 19, goes to Moses and, and even kind of blesses him and says, okay, you took that first step of you know, getting your family together ready to move. I'm going to tell you to go back to Egypt, and I'm going to prepare the way for you to be able to go do that. And as Moses is faithful to take that step of going back to Egypt, God shows up and shares Moses, here's what the next steps are going to look like in verses 21 through 23. So it's, it's this pattern where Moses doesn't really know anything other than you got to go back. And so it, rather than share with Moses all the details of, of what the journey is going to look like, all the trials he's going to face, Moses just says, okay, God, I know the end goal is restoration. The thing right now for me to do is to go back. I don't know anything else, but I'm going to choose to go back. And as he chooses to be faithful, God affirms him, and God reveals the next step. And this, this pattern also continues in verses 24 through 26. This, this is the, the weird passage that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, if you... If you read uh, commentaries on this passage, there is, there is a lot of speculation as to what is going on. Um, the, in fact, this is one of, one of the most kind of wide variety interpreted passage in the Old Testament. Um, we're not going to dive into the speculation pieces today because it's, it's just it's not that helpful for us. I, I think truly you can see from the text in the light of what's taking place in the chapter 
uh, a very, very clear truth of, of this pattern continuing on display. Um, the, the literal Hebrew for verse 24 says, At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met and sought to put to death. So the pronouns there are, are missing, which is why this passage is kind of, is one of the many reasons this passage gets interpreted a lot of different ways. Historically, throughout the church, this passage has been attributed to talking about Moses, that, that God is coming to confront Moses, that he's meeting him, and he's seeking to put Moses to death, which is kind of the odd piece for us, that if God is raising Moses up to deliver his people, why is he coming to confront Moses and seeking to put him to death? Like, why, have, why has historically, all throughout church history, why, why is that the interpretation that we go to? And in verse 25, you see that Moses' wife, Zipporah, circumcises one of their sons, and she, she takes the skin, touches Moses' feet, and declares Moses to be a bridegroom of blood. Well, actually, it, it doesn't say Moses. It says him. And again, the pronouns are, are missing in the Hebrew, but you know, we've widely assumed this is Moses. And so there's, there's debates over whether this is Moses or not, over uh, you know, whether which son needed to be circumcised or why. And, and church, let me, you, can, you can read and study it if you want. Okay, I'm not at all saying don't do your own homework. But I'm telling you the, the, the truth of what is taking place in this passage does make sense in light of the entire chapter. Because what, what you can tell clearly from the passage is that Moses has not circumcised one of his sons. Okay, Now, why would that be a big deal? If you remember from Genesis 17, God gave circumcision to his people as a sign of their earthly covenant between, between him and, and them. Right? That, that one of the ways that would distinguish God's people on earth from everybody else was the sign of, of circumcision. You know, and, and why we don't necessarily have to practice that today, Jesus in the book of Romans, which you guys study to believe, Paul talks about the circumcision of the heart, that you know, this is a picture of an earthly sign, but now we have a, an eternal sign in the Holy Spirit that, that Christ has fulfilled this. But God had given his people this sign to show everybody on earth that they were his, that they were in a covenant relationship with him. Moses is an Israelite. We know that, that he was a Hebrew baby that grew up in the household of Egypt. So Moses is one of God's people. And God is raising up Moses to deliver his people. And yet Moses is not faithful to the covenant that God has given his people. Church, this, this is the main point of what, why this passage is in here. God is showing that the, the one he is raising up to deliver his people, who is one of his people himself, he's not faithful to the covenant. So God is seeking to confront Moses because he says, Moses, as you are getting ready, as you are taking these next steps, one of the very first steps you have to take, Moses, is you have to be right with me. Moses, I've been very clear about what it is to be my people at this time, and you are not living faithful to that. Church, for us, if, before we can even consider all the ministry, all the things that we're going to do, God is, is going to come to us and say, okay, are you right with me? It goes back to the submission piece, but it is a picture of God showing, 
more than, more than the work of deliverance that I have called for you to do, Moses, you have to be right with me first. And I think it is powerful to see Moses' wife perform the act of circumcision because even she sees just how important it is that we have to be right with God in order for us to do whatever God has set before us to do. So the next step that God has revealed to his people, to, to Moses, is one of being right with him. So as God is, is calling Moses to be faithful, it, it's not just faithful to do a work that God has for Moses to do. It's also to be faithful in Moses himself being right with God. And the pattern continues at the end of the chapter in verses 27 through 31 that as Moses and Zipporah take that step of being right with God, God makes the next step clear. And he brings Aaron to meet with Moses, and Moses and Aaron are able to talk about you know, all the things that God has showed Moses, all the things that Moses and Aaron are going to do. And then you see in verse 29 and 30, they go and they tell the elders of Israel everything that God has shared. They perform the signs. And verse 31 is, is, is powerful, church. You see the people believed. That, that God, knowing Moses, again, one of his initial excuses was, what if they don't believe me? Well, we see right here the people believed. And they believed in such a way that when they hear what God is planning to do and they know that God has come, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. What a powerful moment for all the people, but especially for Moses, who has been wrestling with, God, I don't really even want to do this. And now he has, he has had to come to the place where he has to be right with God first. He's just been faithful to take the next, to take the next steps. He doesn't know how the people are going to respond. And not only do they believe him, but he gets to join them in worshiping God. Church, what a... Just what a powerful picture that would be. That not only as we are working to be right with God, not only are we just getting to do what God has for us, we are, we are getting to worship together, recognizing who God is. And as we, we see this, this pattern emerging, we see this call to live faithful to what God has put in front of us, uh, a couple things I want to make sure we, we also pick out from the pattern you know, that our restoration, it requires us to live out what God has commanded us to do, right? That, that after a chapter and a half of this discussion with Moses about what God has in store for Moses to do, as Moses does submit, Moses moves. God has a work for Moses to do. And so God has a work for us to do, and that is clear throughout the New Testament, throughout all of Scripture, it's to be bearing his image as a disciple-making disciple, which is, again, part of part of our mission statement. We are a community on mission, submitted to Christ, and making, committed to disciple-making. We see that God doesn't reveal everything to us before he calls us to be his image bearers. And just as we saw at the, in verse 17, that's not supposed to free us from having to live as his image bearers, but it actually frees us to live as his image bearers. That the fact that God doesn't reveal every single step of the way, it, it doesn't mean that we are just waiting and doing nothing until God reveals the next step. We know God has, has called us to bear his image in the, the circumstances, in the situation of life that we are in right now. 
We get to do that right now. And as God sees fit, as it glorifies him, then he does reveal to us where is the next next place to go. We also see in this that God uses our faithfulness to transform us into his likeness. It may be that where, where God is leading Moses is something Moses is not prepared to do. I think from Moses' heart, he would say he's, he's not prepared to do the work of delivering his people. And, and you see that in verse 13, I don't want to do this. You then see before he delivers his people, he undergoes a season where he has to be made right with God in the wilderness. So church, God uses our faithfulness in the moment to prepare us for, for life with God now, but also life with God for the future. I think lastly, the the other big theme that is all throughout these two chapters, three and four, God is is specifically blessing Moses' faithfulness, but not his ability to perform or or, or how well he's he's doing this. That that what Moses is doing, that, that God is encouraging, is for Moses to be faithful in the moment now instead of spending all his time trying to figure out what is next? This is a, I'm sure this was hard for Moses, and church, this is hard for us as well. This is something that God has really, um, he's really been showing Abigail and I a lot over the past three years. I mean, in the, in the past three years, we have gone through, you know, getting married uh, going through seminary, uh, being in our first season of ministry, having a child, uh, moving into a house, having a second child, going into our second season of ministry, moving again. I mean, there's, there's just a lot. And, and if I'm honest, I, I really can't say that God has ever said, like, this is the end goal, right? The next steps. Like, you're going to go to this place, you're going to do these things, and I'm going to bless all of this. But usually what, what ends up happening is God says, this is what I have for you to do in this moment. Okay. And then as you're doing that, God says, okay, now I have this thing ready for you. And then you, you jump in and you do that. That there is, there is a call for us to live faithful to what he has revealed to us rather than live always in anticipation of, but what is next, God? Like, I get what you've told me to do now, but I need to be getting ready for what's coming next. And God says, no, it is in your faithfulness to me now. I am preparing you for what comes next. And church, it is, it is a very uncomfortable work, okay? I, I totally relate with Moses when he says, God, I don't want to do this because Moses knows what's coming. We don't all the time know what is coming. So it, it, is, it is a lot of tension exists in the unknown. And yet it is, it is part of our restoration that God in his, his, his knowledge and his, his goodness to us doesn't necessarily make every single thing known. But he makes known to us what he desires of us to know now that he can transform us into his image and he surely, church, will take us where he desires for us to go and and I church I, I I see this this is a work that God is is doing for his people he does this for our church but this is a calling to the individual this is a work that God is doing within each and every one of you and it is as he does that work in us church that work will be done in our congregation to summarize all of this from the past 2 weeks God's restoration begins with us knowing who God is 
We have to know God, church. It, it continues with us entering into his presence to worship him through us submitting to his authority over our lives and to us living faithful to what he has called us to do right here and right now. So church, a couple ways we can respond uh, this week. Uh, just a couple questions for us to evaluate. I think first, what are some areas you want authority over your life? Or what areas do, uh, sorry, I, I say you, I, I include me in this too. What are some areas that we want authority over our lives? And, and why is it hard for us to give it up? And, and again, you know, God welcomes the questions that Moses brings. And when Moses asks these questions, God answers them. Okay, so it's, it is good and proper for us to, to be open with God about, God, I really don't want to give this up to you. Okay, God welcomes that. Another way we can evaluate, how can we build in times to be in the word and prayer to learn more about God and his will? I, I, I love that before God let Moses do the deliverance work, he made sure Moses was right with him. Church, and why specifically we say the word uh, and in prayer is because it's in God's word we learn about who he is and what he desires of us. And it's through prayer that we take the knowledge of the word. We say, God, I see this to be true. Where are you at work with this right now? Where, where can I be drawn from the physical into the spiritual world, God, to engage with you on the work that you are doing? And lastly, church, I mean, as, as we're thinking about this, I would encourage you guys to, to pray and specifically for us to ask God, where do we need to be faithful right now? What has God called us to be doing right now before him? A couple of ways uh, that this may practically lead us to respond, church. I, for some, this, this may mean a commitment of life to him. To say, God, if I've understood uh, my need, my brokenness, my need to be right with you, Lord, I, I need to be restored. I, I know you. I need to submit to you. I, Lord, I need to be in your presence to worship. And Lord, I want to live faithful to what you've put in front of me. So it may, it may be a practical step of, of committing our lives to him. It may mean, okay, I've, I've committed my life to him, but I haven't shared this publicly. So maybe baptism is a discussion that we need to have. That, that we've made this commitment known, but we need to to share this with others. Church, baptism is one of the ways we, we get to do that. Church, I think uh, another way we can respond is, okay, if I believe this to be true, if I've kind of proclaimed this to everyone through baptism, I would encourage you guys a way to respond uh, to consider this week is, is, is joining, joining the church. I mean, the, among the many things joining the church does is it, it holds us accountable to one another, this community of saying, this is where we need to go. God, this is the life that I see I have been called to do. These are the people that I want to, to do this with. And if you are feeling that calling uh, for, this, for this congregation, church, I, I, would, I, I encourage you, hey, then, then come join us as, as part of this work. Another way you can respond, hey, commit to regular time and word and prayer. Uh, we will be sharing more about this in the coming months because uh, this is one that I, I've, I've been doing a lot of time in conversations with other pastors about just ways that they engage their entire churches in doing this together. So we, we will be sharing more in the coming months on this. But it may mean personally you say, God, if this is really true, I, I really need to know you more. And so I have to carve out some time 
to be in your word, to know who you are, to be in prayer with you, God, to know how to, to take what I'm seeing and to bring this before you. So, guys, I, I mean, God will reveal, you know, how we need to respond to this. There may be people you need to be reconciled to, things you need to forgive, things you need to give up to him. So, so that's why I encourage you, church, this week, today, to be in prayer over where do I need to be faithful right now. And so, church, as we move into a time of response and as the team comes forward, I, I want to pray and encourage you guys as the team leads to, to be thinking about these questions. God, we are, we are grateful for your grace. Lord, that as we see Moses and his wrestling with you, God, you, you work with him. Lord, you do not leave him out to dry, but you, you even answer Moses' questions in a way that lead Moses to get to the point where even he finally understands it. And he says to you, God, really, I just don't want to do this. Lord, may you and your grace, in whatever way we need to this week, God, may you lead us in that way too. That you patiently work on our hearts to reveal, Lord, where, what are the areas of our life we don't want to give over to you? Lord, in your patience and your grace, may, may you lead us to the place of saying, God, here it is. <laughs> I just don't want you to have control over this for blank. Lord, may you lead us to, to trust you through submitting to you, God, seeing how that is a crucial part of our restoration. And Lord, I pray that, that we would be able to right now in this moment, but throughout the week, Lord, I mean, this, this really doesn't do much if it just ends when the song ends and we leave here. Lord, may we go throughout this week being able to see just, God, where do you need us to be faithful right now? Lord, we as people love to think long-term, love to think for the future, and, and Lord, it, there is a, a good and proper time for that. Yeah, I don't think you discourage that. But God, you, you, you show us that where you desire our focus is on the work that you are doing right now. That may require action, that may require patience. Lord, we don't know, <laughs> honestly, unless we spend some time before you in prayer. Lord, continue to lead us from this place. Continue to, to encourage us uh, as we live. Lord, strengthen us as we get to share this with our, our friends and our family and our neighbors and our people around us. Lord, we want to be right with you. We want others to be right with you. Lord, we want our church to be right and on the same page and in your direction under your leadership. We want to be right with you, God. We confess this morning that we do not know what all the in-between steps look like, but we know long-term, God, you have called us to be making disciples. And so, Father, we pray that, that with the end goal in mind, that you would reveal to us the step right in front of us to be faithful in, and that you would help us be wise as we move forwards, Lord. God, we leave all this up to you this morning. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen.